Hi, this is Donna Otto and we are Modern Homemakers. I'm starting today with a quote and then a few hellos and how are you. Practices are the nuclear reactors of the Christian faith. The arena where the gospel and human life come together in energizing even explosive ways. Practices create openings in our lives where the grace and mercy and presence of God may be made known to us. Thank you, Craig Dykstra. Practices. What is a practice? A practice is a discipline. Mm, I think we've come to use practices more often because the word discipline is not a very happy word, now is it? You've probably heard me say this, but Elizabeth Elliot, who wrote one of the wonderful books that she wrote called Discipline the Glad Surrender. A lot of those words, are, they don't go together, do they? Discipline and surrender with glad? Sometimes we do it rather gruffly and not so gladly. And when that book was trying to be published in England, the publisher said, we, we don't think this is going to fly, so we want to leave out the glad surrender. And Elizabeth said, I'm really sorry, but that's the context of the book. And where do you think that gladness actually comes from? That gladness comes from the surrendering fact that we know when we do surrender, whatever it is we've been holding on to is released. We're freed from the bondage instead of in bondage. So we are marching together through these days of Lent. And a couple of times a week, at least once a week, we're going to be talking about things that have to do with it. And I want to say to you, if this is days past the beginning of Lent, which was on February 17th, and you're saying, I can't do that. Oh, of course you can. It doesn't start and stop on magic day, and if you didn't start it on that day, you can't start it. Today we're going to talk about fasting. Fasting is a very complicated subject, and it's complicated in that there's old covenant fasting, and there's laws of insistence on it, and then we talked a few days ago about truth and grace. There's some truth about fasting, and don't break your bond if you've given it, and then there's lots of grace about fasting. But I want to just take a few minutes and talk to you about this thing called fasting. Don't forget, we're all together, joined together in the continuation of the celebration of my 75th birthday. What does that mean? Well, we just put a funny picture of me with 75 candles and a cake that was about to explode from all the heat and decided that it would be fun to walk together during this time and make a contribution of something 75 to someone somewhere in your world. Maybe it's 75 pennies that you're going to give to a small child, or $75, or $7,500, or $75,000 to some agency that you've been wondering where to leave your estate to. I don't know. I'm just 
picking at things that might be true in someone's life. 75 cookies to the teachers in your classrooms, in your school. Or how about 75 kisses to your husband? If your husband is at all like mine, he has a bald head. And I love to kiss the top of his bald head. He loves when I do it. I also love to kiss the back of his neck after I've shaved his neck because I'm his personal barber. And and he'll and I'll shave his neck and I'll wash his neck and I've set it with a hot cloth and I've done everything I can do and then I'm finished and I'll pat him. And he'll say, No, 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 we're not finished yet. And that's a sign that I forgot the kiss on the back of the neck. Well, I think I'm going to trim David's hair and give him 75 kisses and not tell him what I'm doing until I've stopped counting to 75. That's one of the 75s I'm going to do. But today we're going to talk to you about fasting. And I want to talk first about the definitions of fasting. It's a desire. We get a desire to fast because we want to be closer. We want to gaze at God, at Christ, at his word in a different way than we've ever done it before. Fasting is really a very long meditation on, on Christ. It's, it's a, an opportunity to pause and see what this fasting habit will do to us. It's letting go of a habit in order to seek God on matters of deep concern for myself or for the world. Do you believe that God speaks to you? Do you believe that God speaks to you through his word? Do you believe that God speaks to you directly? I'm not talking about a voice from afar. I'm not talking about written on the wall in a neon green or yellow paint. I'm talking about his promptings. I'm talking about things that sometimes you can't get away from. Have you ever had that experience? And I, I have this sense I want to say, except that it sounds uh, rather disrespectful. Okay, okay, I heard you, God. But when I feel that way, I know what's really going on is the same thing that a child does with a parent. Okay, 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 you've told me enough times, Mom. I'm going to do it. A fast is a self-denial of normal necessities in order to intentionally attend to God with prayer. A, a, a denial of normal necessities. What are normal necessities in your life? They're all different to us. What is a necessity to you may be fluff to me. What is fluff to you may be a necessity to me. Is it only about food? What is the purpose and how does it grow me in Christ? People ask me. Well, I think the clearest way to talk about fasting is to talk about breakfast. Because breakfast came as a word of breaking our fast. Well, what is our fast? We usually go to bed at night, whatever time you go to bed, how many hours, hours you sleep. You stop eating and you go to sleep and in the morning... You're awake again, and you eat because you have broken that fast. In my life, it is always eight hours. I say always because years ago, my husband encouraged me, rightly so, changed the course of my physical health. I have no idea who would be, even if I might be alive in the way I was conducting my life in five hours of sleep every night. Mamas, are you listening to me? Oh, there are times when we have to do that. There are times when 
David and I have traveled internationally, or I've traveled internationally by myself, and literally I haven't been in bed for 27 or 32 hours at a time. But my regular routine, I need eight hours. And he asked me to stay in bed for eight hours even if I wasn't sleeping. And I said, I'd have to think about that. And I did. So in the morning, we break our fast from sleep and we have food. We fast from food for physical reasons. If you are about to have some blood work done, they want you to fast from eating or drinking, especially if you're going to have your glucose tested. We fast to lose weight. We fast to cleanse our body from toxins. We fast to change our eating habits. I have a dear and precious friend who really is addicted to sugar. There's no other explanation for it. But every few years, she takes a long sugar fast. And every time she goes back, she goes back into eating sugar, but not nearly as much. Sometimes we have to give up sugar because late in life, we contract a form of diabetes that requires us to fast from sugar. All of these kinds of fasts are for physical gains. They're designed to help our bodies fight off infections, to help our bodies fight off disease, to help our bodies to be stronger. As you might imagine, I don't want to talk about physical fasts. I want to talk about spiritual fasts and their gain. Growing closer to God and others. Learning ways to practice that two-step that we talk about around here, loving God and loving others. The main point of a fasting is a spiritual discipline in that it draws us closer to God and away from the all-consuming self. Ouch. But it's true. It's true. We eliminate one or more thing that clutter and distract us from our focus on God in our daily lives. And for a season, especially during this Lenten season, remember that Lent is defined by spring, and this springtime as we prepare for Easter. I may do some of those lessons this Lenten about how Easter began and the bunny and the Easter Day parade with fancy clothes and all of that, but the Easter that we celebrate, the resurrection of Christ. We stop the train for a while about me, 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 and we open ourselves to Christ. Perhaps I can see his will or listen to his voice more intensely. We get hungry for a space and time that we have had something before and we've given it up. We, we've given up TV and suddenly we have a space and time that we used to spend in front of the TV and now we don't. And it gives us an opportunity to be with him for more prayer, for more Bible reading, for more sitting quietly with him. Fasting is a physical expression of our commitment. It's an evidence. It's more than lip service. It's more than saying, I'm going to do that. It's doing it. And most often we do it in private. I've referred to the Sermon on the Mount, and of course, as you know, if you've been around, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Portions of it uh, since the beginning of 2021, and we'll continue doing that throughout the year. What we do in private. People often ask me, did I give up something for Lent? And I often say yes, because I often do. But if they ask me more, I decline. I decline. I feel like when I 
say it to someone, it, it, they're asking me oftentimes because they want to know, and I want to hold it so tight within me because I don't want anyone to think that I've done anything more wonderful or more terrific than anyone in the world does or can do. And I also decline because I know when I keep something private, I, I deal with it differently. This is a conversation that I am having with God and God alone. Now, I have fasted from things, and I have revealed it afterwards. One of my, one of my most important fasts, uh, which a young friend reminded me of just in the last week or 10 days, was a critical word fast that I took decades ago. And it happened because the Lord laid on my heart that I had become, become accustomed to using critical words to my husband. Now, if you said to me at the time, Donna, do you think you're a critical person? I would have said, no, absolutely not. I, one of my mottos is believe the best. I write out of Thessalonians, blah, 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 blah. But the Lord was saying in my soul, that was a critical way you just said that. And I would be taken by it. Now, again, the Lord doesn't speak to me in audible words, but I know his spirit. I know the questions that he asks into my heart. And they are often questions that I would not ask myself. And I'm taken aback. And when he asked that, I remember what I'd said to David. And I, and I remembered it for a few days. And I prayed about it. And I thought about it. And I decided to take those kinds of phrases with that sort of thought, whatever I said, I don't remember the exact words of it, and take a critical fast. Wait, are you ready? For one year. I wrote it in my Bible. You can, I can go back to the Bible I was using at that time and probably tell you the day I actually started it. And I told no one. I told no one. No one. For a whole year. It was a year or two later that Elizabeth Elliot and I were doing an interview on her. She was interviewing me on her broadcast, her radio show. And I have no idea what we're talking about, but there were always these breaks. And then in the breaks, she and I would talk about things. And somehow or another, the, the fast came up or the critical fast came up. And because she was my mentor and hero, I told her a lot of confidential things. And I said, well, yes, there was this change that happened. And it happened in me when I told her. The, and she said, you took a critical fast? Well, how did you do that? And I laughed. I remember saying, well, I still have a ridge in my tongue from where I bit my tongue with my teeth. And she thought that was funny. We'll have to do a show on that. So let's do a show on that. I said, Elizabeth, stop. Stop the train. Nobody knows I ever did that. David doesn't even know I did that. And, and she said, well, could you find out? Like, what? Should I pick up the phone and call him right now? I said, okay. So we'll do the show. And when I get back to Arizona, I'll talk to David about it. And then if there's comfortableness... I should go and listen to that show. That would probably give me more information than I have for even you right now. But I can remember David saying to me something. I can still remember where we were. I can still remember where he had his hand. He said, you have become so soft. And I thought, you, dear man, have no idea that what I am doing is reminding myself of every phrase that I spoke and if it had a critical tone to it. And yes, the opposite of critical, I guess, would be soft. Jesus fasted 
And there are many places in the scripture. I wanted to just give you a few. Acts 13, verse 2 and 3. Matthew 4, verse 2. Mark 2, verses 18 and 19. And Luke 5, verse 33. Now, he fasted. He, he went for quiet and fasting. And of course, during the wilderness temptation, which followed his being baptized in the River Jordan, we find that he fasted for 40 days because he had been sent in the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted. And so we know that Christ fasted in human form, and we know that physically we can do that. Now, there are some very specific things, and I'm going to do that just as we end the show, that will help you understand the kind of parameters you should have about fasting. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 6, we find this verse. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord. They fasted that day and said, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel. There is a, a pattern of fasting for a cleansing, a pattern of fasting to draw closer, a pattern of fasting to make ourselves aware. In the scripture, we find the word deny or denial often as another word for fasting. In Luke, he says, deny yourself and take up the cross. In Timothy, he says, avoid disputes, deny, fast, disputes with people who lead you astray. In Ephesians, he says, avoid foolish things, fast from foolish things, stop foolish things. For the purpose of remembering and being given some glints into the suffering of Christ. Into the suffering of Christ. Could I ever comprehend the suffering of Christ? No, never. Because it was great and it encompassed so much. But I ask you, do you have your own sufferings? I do. Some of my sufferings are public. Some of my sufferings are private. And I think the fasting allows me to glimpse the connection between my own suffering and that of others. In Adele Calhoun's delightful, useful, I recommend it often, and I'll recommend it to you right now, Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. You will find a chapter there on fasting, and these are the guidelines from her chapter. Don't fast when you are sick, traveling, pregnant, or nursing. People with diabetes, gout, liver disease, kidney disease, ulcers, hypoglycemic, cancer, and blood diseases should not fast. Don't fast if you're in a hurry and you're fasting for immediate results. Well, I think I'll fast for 24 hours and see if God will heal. That's, fasting is not a magic potion. Listen for the nudging of God to fast. I look forward to this time of the year because I choose this fasting. I look forward to what God will call me to do during this fasting. When you are fasting, always drink plenty of water and fluids. If you're fast, These are if you're fasting from food, of course. Uh, work up to longer fasts. Don't start a 40-day food fast 
if you've never fasted a meal before. If you decide to fast regularly, as my friend did, in solidarity with those who don't get three meals a day, she fasted one meal a day for a long period of time. Uh, that She began that slowly. Begin a fast after supper and, and maintain that fast if you want to do a 24-hour fast um, after dinner, begin that fast and finish it at dinner time the next day and accomplish the 24 hours. Now, those are food fasts. There are many other things, as I said to you, a critical fast. Um, I want to encourage you to give up something that has meaning to you, something you will miss, something you will miss every day or every way that you normally use it and you've decided not to. My husband taught a class on fasting with some young married couples over, I don't know how many decades ago it was now, but I can still remember he brought in, uh, into the classroom, a cardboard TV screen frame, a bottle of beer, and a can of cola, and a plate. And he said, these are just a few ways that you might consider engaging in fasting, and we all laughed because they were young married couples, and you know we went to a church that didn't drink, and they were very sure that that is the first time a bottle of beer had ever been on the property, but it was amazing how many young men had said, yeah, I tend to take a few extra beers on the weekend, and God had led him to bring that subject. I don't know what God may talk to you about. But we'll return to this subject of fasting another time before we leave this Lenten time. It is never too late to offer this kind of fast to God, to offer something to Him and recognize that grace and truth still reign and the opportunity to fast is only for the purpose of drawing closer to God. Not to accomplish it for yourself, not to accomplish it to tell others, not to even accomplish it just to offer it to God to say, look how much I love you. It's the truth of gaining an understanding of some of the suffering that Christ did on our behalf. We're so glad that you join us here at Modern Homemakers. Remember our website, it sings and dances. There's always brand new information. Get ready for the Easter basket. Easter is coming and we have an Easter basket that is filled with um, tokens that will remind you and your family each day of the week of weeks from Palm Sunday through Easter Sunday. There are resources to read uh, through the Gospels and some synoptic reasoning and an opportunity to see Christ in the Gospels during this time of Lent. I'm Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of asking God about a fast.